Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Hey, Jessa. Who's our guest today? We have Jessica Tissue of Bliss Foods. Yay, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yes, and um, Jessa, we met Jessica. We were introduced to each other through a mutual friend, council member Mark West. How did you meet um, Mark, by the way, Jessica? Yeah, actually, it was regarding single-use plastics. Uh, I read about how he pushed forward that ordinance in Imperial Beach, banning all single-use plastics in restaurants, all the way down to pool toys, uh, to shipping materials. And I thought, I have to meet this man (laughs) behind this plan. So I reached out to him. I sent him an email uh, raving about his ordinance and how I'd love to meet him and sit down and have a conversation and we did and we just really clicked from there. It's easy to click with him. He is a charismatic individual who's passionate. I would say he's like a multi-passionate person and he walks the talk. You know, he's got solar panels on his roof, electric vehicle, and he's really forward thinking and that's kind of how we got introduced to him. We participated in uh, a local group, Leaders 2020, which had a holiday party. And one of the giveaways on the raffle or the auction was coffee with Mark to talk shop. Mm -hmm. And Jess and I were jumping up and down, high-fiving each other when we won. And um, like so excited to meet him. And then I didn't schedule a meeting with him right away, kind of lost his contact information. And then in the middle of COVID recently, we got back in touch with him and he's like, I've been waiting for you guys. And I want to introduce you to all these people. And you were one of them. He said that we would get along. We have shared values and missions. And of course, Jessa and I started a stellar co just many reasons why one of which was we can't stand waste. So why don't you tell us about your uh, the reason what Bliss Foods is, what your role in society is, I'm assuming eliminating single-use plastics, and how you started it. Yeah, so Bliss Foods is the world's first edible superfood tableware. So when you hear that, you may be thinking, what is she talking about? So imagine your cup, your bowl, your cutlery, you can eat it. And it's actually really good for your body and fortified with nutrients. And we have a variety of flavors that come in sweet and savory. So imagine you can eat a a sweet potato french fry bowl or a spicy goldfish flavor bowl or mocha cup or vanilla gram. So for me, it was really important to make the products taste good so that people actually eat the products to reduce waste and so that they get the the nutrients. And we found with our tests that about 70% of people eat the products at any sort of event because they taste good. Um, Why I created Bliss Foods is because I was sitting at an acai cafe in California many years ago. I was eating an acai bowl and I was just really enjoying the acai. It was a hot summer's day and I looked over at the trash and I saw all of these bowls and plastic silverware blowing out and they were blowing out into these trees uh, by, by the parking lot. And my heart sank in that moment. And I thought, where are these going? They have to be ending up in, in nature somewhere. And in that moment, I also looked over and realized that on most acai bowls, they sprinkle granola. So I, I always come up with solutions whenever I see a problem. It's just It's something that I have a natural affinity for. And when I saw that, I thought, what if it was a granola trail mix bowl? And so I immediately went home. I started working in the kitchen. Uh, We can get more into the story in a bit, but it, it took years to really get the formula to where it is now and to be able to produce Bliss Foods. I love it, firstly. Thank you. 
hats off to, you know, a problem solver who doesn't just like see the issue and then wallow in the misery Mm -hmm. and and complain, you're, you're part of the solution. And so you found a solution for something that was bugging you. Do you find that there is a market and consumers that want this? Yeah, absolutely. So I originally came up and had the first idea in 2011 and there wasn't so much conversation regarding the environment then. And there was still work to do on the business side of things. But now there is 110% a market. Cities everywhere across the world are banning single-use plastics. And many restaurants and restaurant uh, restaurants and catering companies are really struggling to find alternatives. And then consumers are putting a tremendous amount of pressure on businesses saying, hey, we want more sustainable options. We are aware of what's going on in terms of the environment. We want something that's gonna be healthier for the planet. And then there's also an awareness regarding plant-based options, things that are gluten-free, that are vegan, and Bliss Foods are vegan, gluten-free, and grain-free as well. And so this is probably more like, I'm curious more about your backstory and that like how did what were you doing before this and of course as you're saying that you had the idea for granola bowl and you're in the kitchen testing like you know i'm curious about your did you have experience in the food industry prior to that or was it just kind of mad scientist (laughs) yeah so those are two really great questions um in terms of my background i started my first company when i in 2011 uh, and it's a, it was a full service digital marketing and analytics agency. And I had that for about 10 years. And that agency became very successful during that time. We won multiple awards, best digital marketing agency three years in a row out of 314 agencies in San Diego. We worked with clients such as Yamaha Corporation, Ringo Starr, the Beatles drummer, tech startups. I mean, it was amazing, the experience I got. Um, But in terms of background with nutrition and wellness and food science, at that time, I had been studying medical journals since I was about 15 and nutritional journals and food. And I grew up in a European household, French and Italian. So food was the center of everything in our life. So I had a natural ability and intuition with food. Um, And so I came up with the early prototypes. However, to get Bliss Foods formula to the place it is now, I had to take some molecular gastronomy courses and some more refined nutrition um, courses so I could really understand the science and the chemical reactions of food and how how do you create a cup that can hold hot coffees that are 300 degrees and, and they don't leak. That's amazing. I love that you had this idea and you decided to learn more about it instead of hiring or outsourcing and you took it upon yourself to learn everything there is to to get the perfect product. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. It's very inspirational. Thank you. I love to digital marketing to molecular what is it? molecular <laughs> gastronomy. Okay. Yeah, which is a fancy word for food science. I know. I would say with that I think of like Alinea and those like food places where the food's all different textures. Um, and with, sorry, I have a million questions, which no is worries. why we're here, right? And <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't want to go too far down different rabbit holes, but with, with what you're doing now, like, I guess what I'm thinking about is that the people you're targeting are probably already trying to reduce waste. Like they already have that mindset. And so you know, I see is like there really has to be a behavioral shift with with single use plastic and food waste. And so, how are you approaching this in the market? Like, who are you reaching out to, and kind of what what is your your goal, I guess, for eliminating single use plastics through Bliss Foods? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. So, Bliss Foods, one of the reasons why I created it is to make a heavy topic light and doable. And how do we do that? create a super fun product like this is a real life Willy Wonka experience so many people just want to try it for that reason alone but but also um, meeting people where they're at 
Bliss Foods is created to meet people exactly where they're at. It's a convenient solution. You can get all of your food, your coffee cups to go in a Bliss cup. Um, so you don't really have to change your lifestyle or adapt a new behavior. And even for the people who litter, if you litter Bliss Foods or it falls out of the car or falls out of the trash can, it's compostable in any environment. So I created Bliss Foods really designed with people's current behavior in mind. And I did that because, well, learning about behaviors and shifting behaviors is important. We are at such an alarming point in history in terms of climate change. We can't just focus on changing people's behavior alone. We have to meet people where they're at. We have to make sustainability hedonistic, which is luxurious, cool. We have to understand that these behaviors are ingrained uh, in, in people. So how can we step outside of the box and meet people where they are at today? And is, Sorry, Laurel. That is so important because this, that's what I see as the biggest I should say it's the biggest, but a, a huge hurdle. And I look around and now I'm at the point, you know, I'm I'm from the Midwest and I live in California now, Southern California, and I see a bottle of water. If someone buys a bottle of water, I'm like, Ugh. it's like the equivalent of like smoking a cigarette indoors. I'm just like, <laughs> like, why are we doing this? And and I'm starting to see that with all single use plastics. And one of my friends, um, well, never out, but she has three young kids and she is home alone a lot with them and just trying to get by. And so all of her snacks are all in these individual packaged, like plastic packs. And every time I see them, I'm just like, ugh. But what she's doing, she's just like, I'm just trying to feed my kids and stay sane and get through the day. And so I always think about her when talking about reducing plastic because I'm like, how do you make that easier for someone who's just like trying to get by day to day and then, you know, everything else on top of just the basics? Um, like she's just trying to do whatever's easiest. And anyway, that's just something I always think about specifically. It's like, how do you, you make that easier for someone? Yeah. I, I think the reality is, is many people like your friend, they have children, they're juggling a full-time job, sometimes multiple uh, jobs. They have two, three jobs. And we live in a society where everything is sped up. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. People don't really have the time to, to do the thing that is least impactful for the environment. So like you're saying, the reality is, is our, our snacks are going to come in packaging materials. So it really comes down to innovating. How do we come up with packaging and materials that hold snacks that are durable, that are leak proof, but are a hundred percent compostable. And that is a topic I am so fascinated about. Yeah, I think we have a very shared interest in food systems, food waste. And speaking of which, we there's a lot of differing opinions on whether sustainability is something that people of all incomes, all backgrounds, and all genders can take advantage of and or realize. And so on one hand, many people are like, oh, sustainability is just luxurious and I don't have enough money to participate in that type of good you know, that type of work. And then there are other people that are like, well, sustainability is actually for everyone because it's meeting your basic needs and being resilient in the long term. And I see Bliss Foods as sort of a marriage of that in, in a sense that it's this innovative, creative idea to reduce waste. And it can be a very luxurious product because it's delicious and looks beautiful when beautiful things are put in it but it's nutritious and full of superfoods. So walk us through the idea of how you got to the to it. It doesn't just taste good, but it it supports wellness and health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so food is a, a huge passion as you're touching upon. And I really believe that what we put into our bodies fuels our life for better or for worse. It really dictates how we are gonna uh, feel. It's an important factor for that. And as an entrepreneur, I have to have heightened states of energy um, to build businesses and companies and, and to, to thrive. And so for me, what I put in my body and the nutrients I take in are crucial for how I feel in this world. Um, and so for me, understanding that, studying what's going on 
in, in our, our nation, we live in a very overfed but undernourished uh, world where, or sorry, United States, where many people have diabetes, heart disease. It really, the root of it is our, our food. We're not getting nutrient dense food. We're not getting the nutrients that we need to really thrive and be well. So that was an important factor in the creation of Bliss Foods, studying which foods do I select to infuse nutrition. So specifically within a bliss cup, for example, it has 40% of your, your most crucial vitamins and nutrients. So it's very high in fiber, high in protein, uh, low in sugar, low glycemic index, uh, index and carbohydrates, safe for diabetics, low in fat, very high in iron, manganese, magnesium, potassium, vitamin E, zinc, um, so I want be, people, again, the lifestyle, the convenient lifestyle, not having time to focus on your nutrition. If you're just eating, say, one cup a day or a spoon or a bowl and it's, it's a part of uh, your breakfast or your lunch, you can rest assured knowing that you're getting a, a good chunk of your nutrients for the day. I really, I can really appreciate that. So from my perspective, we're entrepreneurs on the go. And as you said, we have to maintain a healthy level of energy, not just spiking it, dropping it, and then not being able to show up for yourself or show up for your clients, show up for your business. The minute you get the food intake and the fuel under control with some other basics like sleep and you know hydration, it, for me, it's been an incredible um, natural enhancement mechanism for stimulating productivity in the workplace. And if if everything goes the way that you want it to go as a female woman who owns a business and is running things, what does Bliss Foods look like in the future? What's your image, your dream that you have? Yeah, so my my dream uh, really at the at the forefront of my dream is to inspire one billion people to go plastic free. And this may be through Bliss Foods and the Bliss Cups and the bowls and the cutlery, but it may be through other product innovations as we advance in the, in the marketplace. But another aspect of this is really inspiring other businesses to think outside of the box and to go plastic free and even put pressure on other companies such as uh, you know other packaging companies that package snacks and um, encourage them to start using other materials because that's where the market trends are going. Agreed. I think um, as Jessa mentioned, when people buy a water bottle that's plastic, we cringe. And in California, as some other places, cannabis is legal. And when we see those single-use plastic cannabis containers, it drives me nuts. Like my heart actually aches because so many people are using it for medical purposes and recreational and healing. And so cannabis is everywhere and it's generating so much waste. So we'll bring you up on part of the teams that are talking about strategies to, to create innovative packaging that addresses that problem. It just like popped in my head and I was like, Oh, Jessica needs to meet this person, this person. This mm -hmm. person. But I think that's, um, and that segues into my other point. So do you see Bliss Foods as being wholly Jessica into the future? Do you take on other partners? Are you going to hire employees? How is that going to work for growth? Yeah, so I already have a team of five under five other individuals um, uh, who have spe special specialties. Uh, one person in mechanical and industrial engineering focusing on the machinery and the production processes, another person working in finance, another person working in the super, um, he owns the world patents for laser cooking, 3D printing of food, and so we have some really fun innovations coming for the future. And then we also have some really amazing um, advisors as, as well who, who are in this space. And I am absolutely not about being a one woman, woman show in my, perspective that is so limiting and I have a very audacious vision and dream for the world and I can't get there to, uh, alone. I can't inspire 1 billion people to go plastic free on my own. I need a team of people who share a similar vision to get there. Um, and I also have no interest in, in, in doing this by myself because I don't think that that's a source of well-being to wear all hats, to be the jack or the jill of all tr 
trades. I, I did that in the early years with my previous business and it left me exhausted and sick and frustrated because I wasn't able to accomplish the goals that I had set out. That's brilliant. I, I do want to touch on uh, a fun fact and then I have a question. You told us, told me offline that the machinery to produce the thing that you wanted to produce didn't exist. So you just created it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I think that's amazing. At what point in your, in the process we were like, all right, we're just going to make it. Or did you go, Oh, I could quit or I could go forward. What was mm -hmm. that? Like? That's an interesting question. That's a loaded question. So, um, like I said, I, I came up with this idea in 2011. And shortly after that, I did start uh, researching what machinery was potentially out there to produce this. And I have to say, to get from that point to the point today where we have machinery has been extremely challenging and trying. Um, you know, in the, in the beginning stages, I got, no, no, that machinery doesn't exist. You're crazy. Why would someone want to eat their cup? Why would someone want to eat their bowl? Um, and then also at that time, a, a factor, a limiting factor was my age and being a female. In 2011, it still was not that common for a female to be an entrepreneur, let alone a young female. And in the manufacturing world, it tends to be very male domi dominated. And so that was an impact and that had an impact um, on me early on. And I literally received hundreds of no's from all over the world. I literally researched every country to find a potential machine to produce these things. And there were fleeting moments where you question yourself. You're like, am I crazy? Is like, I must be crazy because I'm getting so many no's. But I've never been one to really follow the crowd. Um, I've always been one to stay true to my values and my, my dreams. And so I kept coming back to that, that vision that I had for the world. And, and that kept me strong as well as doing the beta tests and seeing people's uh, reactions to the pro project. So that determination, I just really latched onto. And it came a point, okay, we've gotten so many no's, the best design or the best ma uh, machine producers cannot produce this. So we're going to design it ourselves. So we started with the AutoCAD 3D renderings uh, of the machinery, and then we just hunted for talent who could actually build the machine. That's, That's amazing. amazing. That is such a wonderful story. And I, I mean, you know, we talk this about this a lot on here is that that's what sets entrepreneurs apart is hitting those roadblocks and having the, the tenacity and resilience to keep going. And just, I, I'm sure you've experienced this, but I remember hearing a, like a startup, like week talk or something podcast. They're saying, if you are going out and pitching your idea and people aren't telling you you're crazy, then you're too late. Like mm -hmm. if people are like, Oh yeah, good idea. Good idea. They're like, you're, you're already too late to market. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great insight. <laughs> well, cheers, cheers to being crazy ladies. Yeah. <laughs> and so we talked about your manufacturing and you're reaching out to all of these potential stakeholders in your business, getting a lot of rejections and harnessing your tenacity to just move forward and be creative and innovate because you believe in it. What are other parts of your supply chain and where are they located and how have you fostered those relationships to support you? Yeah, in terms of uh, supply chain sustainability and being as zero waste as possible is a huge goal for us and it's an important facet. So in terms of how we even so, um, source our vessels to get these products to the other businesses, they're 100% plastic free. Um, every stakeholder and every person that we work with in the supply chain, I ask them where their products come from. What is the labor practices behind those products? Are they wrapped in plastic? If they are, can they be shipped without plastics? Starting to put pressure even on other companies, raise awareness around plastics. But everything that we do is plastic free. We have to stay true to our mission. And then in terms of sourcing ingredients, we try to source as locally as possible. 
support other um, budding businesses, local businesses. And also everything has to have a very high standard, be organic, um, be sustainable. I, I look into when choosing the ingredients, what is the environmental impact of this in, in ingredient? How can we keep improving to have as low of an environmental footprint as possible? That, we love that. I'm just going to speak for Jessa. We love that because that is the movement that we're a part of is being thoughtful and purposeful about every component part of your business or in our case, you know, our networks, our conscious constellations of people. It's like we want to work with you if you in our, are in alignment with our values. I love that you hold true to your values. And I'm sure it's not easy because the cheaper and easier route um, is to not be thoughtful and not choose local, just choose the cheapest, even though it might have a big carbon footprint or whatever it might be. So I applaud you for for being of that same mind. And I have a targeted question. Mm -hmm. You are a fellow USD alum. Yes. How have you used uh, the Torero Alumni Network uh, to test your MVP or be a client. I think you gave me a few examples last time and I'd, I'd love it if you'd share how you've you leveraged your relationships at your alma mater to uh, advance your product. Yeah, so University of San Diego is amazing. They're, they're very open towards social entrepreneurship and social innovation and supporting new ideas that are gonna better our planet and communities. And I've stayed connected with University of San Diego uh, because I mentor, I've guest lectured classes there. So I, I have an established uh, relationship. But I took Bliss Foods to the president of University of San Diego, and I said, hey, I want to do a, a live tasting with you. And he was all ears. So we sat in his office. We did a tasting with about six of his staff, and it was so much fun. Uh, President Harris became like a little kid eating these products, giggling, laughing, uh, enjoying all the, the different flavors. And he, he really took to this idea. So he invited me and Bliss Foods to then present to the, pre, uh, to the, the board of trustees, um, to present at his president's cabinet, to cater a couple different events of each of about 300 people um, to begin seeding this idea on, on campus. Um, and USD is absolutely on board with being a customer for Bliss Foods. That's great. I mean, I love that story. It's, it's an entrepreneurial story as well, where you're like, hey, person in charge, I would like to do this thing. Will mm -hmm. you join me? Mm -hmm. And we go, oh, yay. Many people go, I couldn't possibly ask somebody to do that for me. Uh, it's, it's kind of like that's a story of getting out of your own way and mm -hmm. just asking for what you want. And then it, it blossoms and blossoms and open up from there. You mentioned that USD is a leader in social innovation and socially innovative businesses. And another little fun fact about you is you were a Fowler, a global Fowler winner, right? Yeah. Walk us through that. Yeah, so in 2011, um, University of San Diego had the first ever Social Innovation Challenge, which is now known as the Global Fowler Social Innovation Challenge. And one of my professors said, you're always talking about ideas. I think you just need to participate in this contest. Um, so I put together a social business, worked really hard over uh, a couple months, and I competed, and I was one of the award um, recipients for the first ever social innovation challenge. Again, that is another kind of nod to uh, businesses and entrepreneurs to like just go for it and see what happens. And now the global Fowler challenge, it's a, it's a global thing. <laughs> it's people compete for it. And it's, it's fantastic to see how something like that takes off. So you were a pioneer as yeah. being the very, very, very first recipients. And, and with mm -hmm. that, or kind of a question to which relates that because I know they give out grants money for that. And that's what I was wondering is to start Bliss Foods and like, what was your funding source if you're able to share? And then, because I was thinking about what you're saying with your supply chain and about being plastic free. And I assume there's more money and time involved 
into getting that set up to align with your values. And so can you speak to how financially you're able to make that happen? And if there were like delays in launching your product due to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I'm very blessed with my previous business. I, I worked really hard to set the business up to thrive. Um, and I worked hard to save money. So I, I was smart, I saved money, made smart investments from my first company, and because I had my first company and got it in that place, that completely allowed me the time. I, I had systems set up so well that I was only working maybe uh, one hour a week, if that, and even sometimes I only had to step in for a couple hours per month. That's how good my systems were. So it was during that time I started to really put my energy and, and investment into getting Bliss Foods going and stepping out away from the, the business. Uh, so that allowed me the time flexibility, but also the financial flexibility. So everything with Bliss Foods to date has been self-funded um, and I haven't been working and, and receiving income now uh, for the past year. And I've been in investing my time and my money into getting Bliss Foods going. And, and like you touched upon, Jessa, that to me is important for a couple of reasons. So one, I can really achieve a, a certain level of vision and integrity early on, um, but also to be sustainable. I, I don't really believe in raising money unless it's crucial and you have to raise money. I want to only do the smart things with money that are going to grow the business and focus on maximizing that resource or maximizing the, the value of that in investment. And that's sort of my philosophy of life. I don't take more than I need. I'm sort of a, a minimalist and I only use what I, I really have to. And that, that translates into the financial processes uh, of this business. We're at a point now where we have a lot of customer demand, more than we can keep up with, and we are scaling operations. So I am at the point now where I, I do have to take on some investment um, or some grants to get to that point where we can scale our, our operations. It's very resource intensive, um, but, but so far everything has been self-funded. When you're looking for your next stage of funding, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that, by the way. Much appreciated. When looking for your next phase of investment, are you focused on angel investors, impacted investors, traditional VCs, friends and family? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, you? so a um, couple, couple, couple ways to receive uh, financing. One is impact investment. That's important. Are investors measuring the social return on investment um, outside of just the bottom line ROI? working with investors who are aligned and share the same vision and mission and who first want to impact um, the world of plastics and reduce waste and improve outcomes. But also, I, I'm a business owner and I can align with investors where you do want to see a return at some point. That's a part of being sustainable, is making sure that you have the funding to have uh, a thriving company and to grow and to make an impact in the in the world. So I'm very conscious as well as delivering an ROI for impact investors. I'm also very, very curious about grants and what environmental justice grants are out there that can potentially be um, leveraged for for Bliss Foods. Yes, I think there's we can talk offline about that. So the cows come home. I think that some of the recent grants that I've looked into for small businesses, they're super focused on COVID related issues, which is completely understandable. But there are some greenhouse gas reduction fund monies available from the California Air Resources Board so that California can meet its, its uh, climate goals. And, you know, it's food waste is a huge contributor to greenhouse oh, yeah. gas emissions. And oftentimes people don't really like make that connection mentally because it's not the easiest connection to make, but transporting the waste, disposing of the waste, there's emissions, emissions, emissions. So the fact that you're kind of closing the loop with, okay, I'm creating a nutritious zero waste product throughout my supply chain, including my funding that I'm taking on, as well as at the end of the chain when the consumer eats it, it's not creating plastic waste to go to a landfill, which we're already at capacity. So that whole story really does come through uh, 
strategically for grant opportunities. So I'd love mm -hmm. to talk about that sometime. I was gonna ask you, we've we've said the word sustainability and sustainable a lot. What is your definition of that? Yeah, sustainability is really ensuring something can thrive for, for the long run. I think that's ultimately why we hear sustainability um, coming to life in our everyday languages because right now we're at a point in time where our, our species, our human species is being threatened and the environment is being threat threatened. It can't go on for the long run if we continue our, our behavior and continue living the way we are. So I think sustainability is maximizing the life um, of anything. And and we are also promulgating the message of regenerative businesses. And it, it's kind of a word that a lot of people aren't familiar with. And so it, it takes a little while to explain it. Uh, what is your understanding of what a regenerative business is? Uh, and do you consider yourself one? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a great quote is, and something that I live by is, I always have to leave something better than the way I found it leave the planet better than the way I found it, leave people around me better than the way I, I found them. And regeneration is about restoring or, or giving new life or enhancing life. So from the very micro perspective of Bliss Foods, the products are regenerative. They're regenerative for our bodies because of the nutritional composition, but they're also regenerative for our soil and our land. If you throw them out there and they have to compost, well, they are loaded with nutrients that are going to actually enrich the, enrich the soil. Um, and then I think from a, a macro perspective in terms of our mission and our vision, our whole premise is to regenerate life on this planet in terms of our environment and our people to to stop using single-use plastics and to encourage others to stop using single-use plastics as well. Yes. Very, very good, yeah, digestible definition. Unintended? <laughs> yes, yes, I'm not witty. Um, I have a question for you. More on the entrepreneurship side and how you built your business is that so we're working on a product, Laurel and I, and I am that classic entrepreneur, I think, is like everything needs to be done yesterday. And so with you having this big vision of eliminating single-use plastics and seeing the impact it has on the world day to day, how have you balanced doing things right, the right way and staying true to your values and not taking shortcuts, while also like the urgency of the problem that needs to be solved? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. I think for much time, and I still have this, I have an immense sense of urgency when it comes to climate change and sustainability. I've just been in the data talking to climate scientists, and it's it's bad what's happening in terms of the environment, but more importantly, what's happening to our human species, plant species, um, animal species. We're entering the sixth largest mass extinction and it's going to continue to progress unless we do something about it. So there is a, an immense sense of urgency to dedicate my life force, to uh, take action to be a part of that solution. But at the same time, I can't let that sense of urgency make me anxious and make me have make poor decisions. I am aware, and I think this comes from experience with my previous business and working with other companies, it, you, it's a fine line between pushing and driving forward, but also taking time to really make sure that you're delivering quality and solutions that are actually going to work. Because at the end of the day, I won't move the needle if I'm just operating on the sense of urgency and I deliver crap. I have to make sure that these results and th these outputs are, are going to deliver to have an, a sort of impact. And when I feel, feel myself sort of dwelling or going into a state of perfectionism, I know and I've, I've become aware when to identify that and when to just cut it out and put an MVP out there. Um, I think something that I see that, that helps me is that it's okay to work in iterations and it's not going to be perfect from day one. But the most important thing is that you're committed to improving every single day. And so put something out there, test it, get some traction, learn from the, the results and the data, and keep improving. And I think that's all we can do at, at the end of the day. 
Yeah, do, that's great. And that's good to hear. And it sounds like from that explanation that you have a lot of self-awareness around this and taking the time doing it right, but also solving a very, very imminent and big problem. And do you have any teammates or partners that you work with that kind of help with checks and balances when they say, let's just get it out, this is good enough, or whoa, 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 we're rushing this, this isn't ready yet? Yeah, that's great. So I, I purposely surround myself with individuals from all different backgrounds, whether they be engineering, creative types, all different types of people from all different walks of life. Um, and not only within Bliss Foods uh, do we have a, a, a diverse team, but outside of Bliss Foods, I have a pretty strong network of leaders, of entrepreneurs, a support system, even family members, um, where I have checks and balances in place. And I receive coaching on a very regular basis um, to really understand when I need to give more quality and when I need to take my foot off the gas and just get something out there. And we were we have some young entrepreneurs that we work with and they're they're getting ready to launch their MVP and there's a CEO who's just moving fast and get trying to get everything out to market as fast as possible. And then the engineers who are like, whoa, we skipped like 10 steps. And so they're kind of trying to find that balance amongst themselves and um, mm -hmm. you know, Laurel and I too for our own things. So it's interesting to hear how the people successfully manage it. Mm -hmm. And what is Go ahead. That's okay. I was going to say, what is another way that you manage that? Like, what is another way that you take care of yourself? Uh, you mentioned, like, recognizing mm -hmm. what the triggers are, relying on coaching and the support of your network. What are some, like, smaller, more practical things that you as an entrepreneur do to take care of your mind so that you know when the limiting beliefs are, are overshadowing the positive energy and how do you like yeah you that's that? a great question um there's a few things i do number one is nature is my therapy i through everything i need regular hikes and regular time in nature whether that be in forests or by the creek or in an ocean swimming uh, i nature is definitely my medicine and my teacher i feel like i've learned so much about myself in the world just by being in nature observing how nature is um, and nature definitely allows me to calm down and to get outside of my head so that I can maybe go about and, and solve my problems in, in different ways. Uh, I think something that also really helps me keep my mind right is learning about quantum physics and the, the cosmos. I'm super fascinated about space and I love something that. Yeah, I, I love it. And I find that it really humbles me and it makes me feel small in a good way. It just it just awakens me to the miracle of life. And it, it gives me such a state of awe and wonder. And I, I sometimes look at the stars. I'm like, OK, if there's all of that going on out there, what's even going on in our world that I I don't know about? So it puts me in a state of curiosity and it's that wonder and that willingness to look at something with new eyes that helps me really stay mentally sound and make smart decisions in business. And then lastly, I, I practice a lot of mindfulness, whether it be meditation or yoga, and that helps me really just slow down and connect not only with my intuition, but the present moment so that I can then connect with others and the world and what's going on around me. Yeah, I mean, so all the things. Clearly, like investigating the cosmos is on brand with a stellar co. You know, we, we talk about elevating your business consciously. And what we mean by that is being very thoughtful and strategic about every part of your business and and being regenerative. And, and then I love how you mentioned, so I'm up there, but then I need to ground myself and stay mm -hmm. calm and get back centered through mindfulness and like sort out the universe in here. Yes, exactly. There's a whole universe in here. <laughs> the whole spiral galaxy going on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and I think what I would also add to that is not taking yourself too seriously. <laughs> like play like a child, have fun, laugh, and take time to really unplug. 
because every I, I just trust that everything is gonna resolve itself as long as I'm putting my best foot forward. I don't have to be forcing any sort of outcome. And um, yeah, I just I really invite ease and in, in play in my life. You're speaking our language, as uh, I know. That's why I'm sure Mark introduced us and said to that we should all connect. And everything you're saying is just like yes, yes, yes. And I have a question about the the work life balance because there's such a culture in the startup world that you you know sleep when you're dead. You need to be working 80, 100 hour weeks, no time off. And so, what's your what's your week like? Like, are you like how do you balance that? Like the startup and taking care of yourself. Mm hmm. The, yeah. So how I live, I don't have a set structure. There's certain structures that I do implement, but I allow for flexibility and adaptability. I think that's super crucial as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I live with the seasons in terms of how I eat, but I also live with the seasons of life. So I think my schedule and how I, I structure my life really depends on what's going on. Um, am I preparing for a launch? It, do I have I been going hard for quite some time and need more restoration? Uh, what's going on? And then I create the systems in and the structures um, to really support that. And would you just remind me of your question one more time so I could? I'm like, what did I say? Like, how how do you balance like managing a startup and then your personal life and it right. and and from the aspect of that, I think traditionally in the startup community, there's so much pressure to work yourself until there's a burnout. And obviously, if you're working that hard, you're not going to be able to give your best self to the business you're building. But when, especially when you get outside investors, they don't really care about that as long as there's a return. And so, like, how are you managing your your wellness around yeah, that? That reminds me of what I was going to say. Yeah, so I, I tried overworking myself in the beginning stage of my first business, and I ended up at the doctors and sick a lot. So it doesn't work, and it doesn't get you the results that you that you want. So I'm all about working smart, not hard, and hacking the system and having streamlined systems to support results. Because at the end of the day, for me, it's about the results. It's not about if I'm putting – you could put 60, 80 hours in a week – and you can be getting a tenth of the results. And it's actually proven that the harder we work and the more we overwork, the more inefficient we become. Our body is like any other sort of organism or system. We need time off. We need time to rest. So for me, in finding that balance, I have to make sure that I block time off in my calendar for just putter time, meaning like, just for hiking or just for hanging out with my friends or just talking to my with my mom on the phone for a couple hours just to cook, to do things that really nourish me um, and rebalance me. And that way I can come back much stronger and getting back to the sustainability aspect. That's what's going to sustain me in the long run. It's running a marathon. It's not sprinting your whole way to the end of the 26-mile marathon. You wouldn't make it. You have to prepare yourself and get in shape for, for that marathon. So I think like you're saying, balance is crucial. And that looks different for for everybody. Everybody finds balance in, in, in different ways. Yeah, I think that's really important takeaway that is that everybody's different. What works for one person is not going to work for another. And, and you know, I'll use Laurel and I as an example. Laurel's a morning person. If we have a seven or eight AM call we know that I am not talking. I like will turn on my camera, I show up, but Laurel's running the show. And then around nine, I start to kick in. But then later in the afternoon, when Laurel's like, all right, I'm done, I'm like, oh, I, I still have time. I'm still going. And so it's just, it feels very natural to listen and to not force it. And then when you do force it, it it's it doesn't work for anybody. Like you're not mm -hmm. showing up for yourself, you're not showing up for your clients, your partners, whoever that is. And I just think that there's such a, it's, it's so glorified to work to work yourself to the bone and uh, it, it doesn't serve you. Yeah, and I think that's why you and Laurel make a really great team, but a really good real life example of how everybody is different. I've right now been really entranced in The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan my, uh, documentary series on, on Netflix. Love it. And it's 
remarkable and something that we see in the dynamics of the Chicago Bulls um, is that Dennis Rodman was very different from the rest of the team. And while Michael lived and breathed and needed to practice every day, not take vacations, and that's what worked for him, and that's what had him excel, Dennis Rodman needed to completely check out, go party in Vegas, and he would come back stronger and on point. That is a classic example that everybody is is different, and we all don't achieve peak performance the same way. So I think it's about not trying to fit in with everybody else, but listening to your natural rhythms and what you need to really thrive and be well in the world. And, and vocalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and accept it from others too. So mm-hmm. know what you need, like you said, vocalize it, and then on the other end, be able to accept that that person knows what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, variety is the spice of life. I don't think the world's fun when we're all trying to be the same person. Yeah, I agree. And um, we have a little fun exercise for you. Finish this sentence. (laughs) Wouldn't it be cool if? The world was plastic free and everybody was happy and thriving. That would be cool. (laughs) That would be really cool. Uh, I think we'll, Jessa, do you have any further qu- looming questions? I do. Well, and just on that, one thing, it, it was kind of going back to what my example I gave earlier is do you, for people going plastic free, it seems like if you're not in this world and even if you are, it seems impossible. So do you have any tips or advice on things to look out for and how you can at least start to make that transition? Yeah, that's a great question. I think people get bombarded by the topic and they're like, oh my God, plastics, I got to eliminate them all. How can I do that? I think just starting really, really small and focus on one action and doing it every day. For example, choose not to have a, a plastic straw or when you get your coffee to go, ask for it without the lid um, or start um at parties in your in your home having cups that your guests can use rather than the styrofoam cups or rather than using plastic bags from the grocery store carry a tote that you love with a picture of your family or some of your favorite things on it just focus on one small thing that you can do really well and this is something that's often overlooked but imagine 7.4 billion people on the planet if each one of those persons just stop using plastic straws, for example, we'd make a huge dent in terms of plastic consumsun. Yes, it's really it's cumulatively considerable. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, I think that's the excellent perspective is like, oh, if I just don't ask for this one straw, it doesn't matter. It's just a drop in the bucket. It does matter. It does matter. It's cumulatively considerable and just trust <laughs> that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And... and and that's an atomic habit to like reference the James Clear book. It's like once you focus on that one thing and make it a part of your daily habit, then it's not an effort anymore. Mm-hmm. It's natural. It's, you know, how we all recoil at plastic bottles now. Mm-hmm. Boom. My laptop stand. <laughs> atomic habits. Everyone go read it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what I would say if I could share about plastics, it's often we have to save the environment. We have to save the planet. Um, we Nature doesn't need us to survive. True. We need nature to survive. I, I want to really shift the conversation. Uh, uh, right now we're having this like very existential conversation about, well, the fish out there, the plants out there. Well, it's about us. If we don't do something now, we are going to become extinct um, as a, a species on Earth. But I think more right now what I would share about the impacts that we're personally experiencing regarding single-use plastics are that, and, and this is something that's overlooked, that is just kind of starting to get conversation and discussion, is that our food or plastics line with PFAs, which is a chemical that it releases um, toxic chemicals that leach into your food. So anytime you get that to-go container with your food in it or any that that juice, that, that juice at Whole Foods that's in that plastic bottle, it's very counterintuitive because that's one of the worst things that you can do for yourself. I mean, that plastics 
um, have been linked to tumors. Infertility is huge, and we're seeing that infertility is just skyrocketing um, across the, the world. Cancers, autisms, um, ADHD. So I really invite people to start educating themselves as to what plastics are doing to the food that they're, they're packaged in. I have a practical, recent, very recent example of this. The CEO of this other company I work for, uh, you know, came up to me and he was like, what is this PFA thing that I'm not supposed to have? And I, if it has anything to do with the environment, everyone comes to me like I'm, <laughs> I'm the expert in the whole company. I'm like, I don't know. Um, but he got, he, he was asking because he watched the Zac Efron series down to earth and read his gu wellness guru, Darren's book. And, and also part of his entrepreneurial wellness habits is that once or twice a year, he goes and like cleanses, like goes to a very special resort and gets all types of cleanses that we don't need to mention on YouTube. And they're like, for the for, for like two weeks before you come, you have to prep your body and you have to get rid of all PFA. You can't have anything that has that. And for a wellness institute, one of the world's leading resorts to be like, you cannot have this. He didn't even know that was a problem and he's a super wellness focused person so i think it's it's getting broader attention that what you not only what you drink or eat but what it's contained in mm -hmm. into your food or your water can bioaccumulate biomagnify or just be bad for yourself mm -hmm. in general and to that end people get really overwhelmed with that conversation. They're like, I can't do anything right. I can't drink out of this. I can't go drive my car. I can't. It's like the, um, the series about uh, the good place. So like nothing I do is good enough to get me to the good place. Mm -hmm. so, so in that regard, I, I would highlight what you said, Jessica, about just do one small manageable thing. Don't get too overwhelmed with the, all the bad stuff. Just focus on, mastering that one thing. So for you, what is the one thing that you're working on mastering aside from bliss for you personally? Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm trying to be a hundred percent plastic free in in my, my own life. I would say that's a huge thing that I'm striving for. And another thing that I'm striving for is speaking my truth and living in alignment a hundred percent with my personal mission in my vision and in, in living from my my heart in life. Beautiful. Thank you. When whatever way we can support you to live your truth <laughs> and go plastic free, we're here for you. Thank um, you. I it's about that time to wind down, but also leave people with your three point landing. Mm -hmm. What are the three things that you want everyone to remember? Yeah, I think number one is don't be afraid to step out of the box. That's where life really comes comes to life. Um, don't be afraid to, you, you know, on that vein, don't be afraid to pick your head up and not do what the crowd is doing. Really lead with your heart. And that's my second point. Lead with your heart. Lead with your mission and your vision. It will never steer you wrong. When you follow your own truth and your own path, you're happy. You're going to enhance the lives of others around you because that happiness is in infectious. And when you lead from your heart, you're leading from a place of passion, which is an unlimited energy source. Um, and when you speak your truth and you speak what your mission or your vision is for the world, what I found is there's so many people who see that same mission and vision and want to play with you. So you're going to grow an amazing network of people who really want to support and bring that reality into uh, actualization. And then lastly, my third point is no single-use plastics. <laughs> They're bad for your health. Here, here. I love that. Thank you for joining us on Orion. You are truly a regenerative business. We love to have you as part of our Conscious Constellations network of people that are like-minded, aligned with our values and our mission. I am stoked to see where we go together from here. And Olay to being a fellow Torero. Olay. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for getting my message out there and, and thank you for all that you do for the world.
Thank, Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Pip All right. Here, <laughs> and send it, Jessa. Thanks for listening and visit astellar.co. That's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R dot C-O for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel. Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.